0: Hello there and welcome to Podcast Maximus, a Transformers podcast hosted by three people that supporters of Brexit would probably want to kick out of the country for being a bit too foreign. Joining me, Stuart Webb, one-quarter Polish and one-quarter Romany Gypsy. Ah, from deepest, darkest Yorkshire, Marion. Hi. And exotic and strange Bristol, Tom. Brighton. You all look alike to me. <laughs> <laughs> and today, we are here to talk about More Than BTI, Issue 53. As written by James Roberts, with R by Alex Mill. And as I've said, those two names, I would let one of you two say the name oh, of the additional
1: artist. Oh, Hayato Sakamoto.
0: And uh, Colors by Joanna Lafente. Letters by Tom B. Long, Edited by John Barber, and published by Ted Adams. I imagine he sits by the photocopier and presses a quick button. And it's The Dine of the Lights, part four, at close of day. Which I would say is an issue that almost immediately has some fairly big things in it we
2: <laughs>
0: But surprise us, would that be a fair thing to say? There were there were some effective surprises in this issue. Uh, so so to ease us into it, we'll talk about one of the more minor bits uh, that we it at the open Ratchet and Velocity. Is it me or is Ratchet being a bit of a dick you know? here? <laughs>
1: He's feeling a bit uh, like um, he needs to re-establish his authority. I think.
2: First aid is gone. Everybody's just everybody's got themselves in a ridiculous situation. I mean, I don't think any of this would have happened if he had been on board.
1: I think you're probably right.
2: I mean, we, we do know he traditionally doesn't like
0: Megatron convey much, and he's not had the same bonding time you us have. I wonder if he's actually trying to distract himself from what he's doing.
1: I was just going to say, I know he started off. Um, being very uh, strongly against Megatron when he was fixing him back in Dark Cybertron, but I got the feeling that they'd started getting along because they are both like just like Megatron and Magnus. They are kind of similar personalities. They're sort of like very down-to-earth, non-nonsense. So I was getting the impression that him, Magnus, um, and Ratchet were just um, getting closer before Ratchet left.
0: And I I mean Velocity's been very much set up as a sacrificial lamb here. Because after a few issues of being on the team with no sort of discernible personality, since the story started, and especially this issue, it seems like real efforts to turn her into a proper character and it's almost scream, this is the one we're going to kill. <laughs> the next issue, whether that's a redhead or not, I'm not sure. But it's, uh... It just feels like Ratchets being immediately mean to it. <laughs>
1: I'll tell you what stood out about Velocity here. Um, I think you're right in that we haven't really seen much of a personality in previous issues, but we've seen her interaction with Megatron in issue 50. And now, uh, do you know what really struck me? Domi. That's the very affectionate out of nowhere. She's very affectionate. Um, a, a bit too affectionate, maybe.
2: About our Domi. Oh,
1: not about Domi, about not about Chromadon, but generally about her... just people. Her... Yeah. Do
2: you think she'll try and make friends with Nickel?
1: Oh, we're we going to have one of them. Is Nickel joining the team? Have we decided now? She's. Uh... I think
2: if anyone's joining the team from the DJD, it will be Nickel. <laughs> There's a lot of sort of information in
0: these first few pages of I about mean, stuff about how tailgate's powers transferable under uh, certain circumstances, which may be useful later on.
1: The burnout uh, comment is an interesting one. So what do we think is going to happen there? Do we think he's going to just have a moment on the battlefield when he's just going to collapse?
2: It seems a bit too much like what happened at the end of the last season with his cyber necrosis.
1: Do you think, oh, you think he's going to have a proper burnout, not just like a temporary one?
2: Well, I don't know. It seems like him just kind of... Getting ill is something we've seen.
1: Mm.
2: Plus, crow bones are threatening
0: to have a out as well, but they can't be after beating burnouts.
2: <laughs> maybe you could. Maybe you could. That'd be fun. Mm. Tarn's voice, I guess, is going to come into it in some some way. Someone's going to have something to do with this spark. Overcharged.
1: Ah, but that implies that Tarn's voice is what he says it is.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, he might uh, pump someone full of drugs.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, and uh, sort of bottom rather
0: beside. Ratchet mentions entry uh, 66 in Velocity's very thorough log but he still manages to find holes in uh, issue 66 of the original comic was uh, the smelting pool that introduced the concept of smelting pools so I don't, I don't know if that's an intentional lot of that or it, it's just a random number for once
1: so what
0: is 70 and 73 oh uh, showdown which is Skids versus Megatron <laughs> Probably James Harbour's house number or something like that.
2: (laughs) Well, that's why he bought it. But no, James, James, that doesn't have enough bedrooms. The bathroom is in a state of code just to repair. No, because that's the issue. But I love Showdown
0: so much.
2: Yes. Ravage gets thrown down a well. Could be all sorts
0: of foreshadowing (laughs) hints.
2: Okay. Well, it's fun to be had
0: with the numbers. So, uh, and again, it makes all this other set up here. We have Dominus Ambus, who's been measured for a suit by Brainstorm, who's brought a tape measure with him. They need it for comedy purposes. I mean, you should measure Dominus' massage. That's Minimus. Look, a part of this scene is course, to establish that Minimus hasn't been seeing the prisoner. He's been too busy hanging around with Brainstorm, which is going to be the important thing later on. And also to give us night beats. Uh, desperate to go investigate one last mystery, which. Uh, what he was talking about this is that it is in keeping with his very first appearance at IDW where he was investigating a mysterious hole in worlds world. And he's, he's gone full circle. He wants to do it again. Uh, I think that's what a thematic thing rather than uh, he's gonna find, now, gonna going to find over the down there. I'm going to go, surprise, it's me again. You all miss me. <laughs> you thought I'd be finished off and good again.
1: Is he going to find an under, <laughs> underground pool of, like, body of dark water and just go, hang on a minute, <laughs> this looks familiar?
0: I've said before how I've not been a huge fan of 90s and more and how I hoped his experience with that the Blackboard signify him getting back on track as a character, and this feels like the first time he is really into his own groove again of, yeah, let's go find out what's going on down under this planet.
1: How exactly are they going to get inside the planet?
0: Dig? Brighton Sword will
2: make them a shovel.
1: <laughs> oh, do you think there's like um, a secret basement under the basement?
2: I'd have one if I was a necrobot.
1: Do you know what I just realized? Why why did the necrobot leave the DJD in? They killed him inside his fortress that he could have defended for days. And he had a teleporter.
2: Knowing who people are is kind of his deal.
1: I know, right? It all fits. It all fits.
2: Yeah, either they took him by surprise, which seems unlikely, because he's godlike, or um, he was like, oh, hello, friends, come in for a chat. One thing we would
1: count against when Equibot
0: being in with the DJD, actually, would be Dominus being on his missing persons list, because if he'd been involved in some of the things that we are going to discuss in a minute,
2: he'd know exactly where Dominus is. He wouldn't be missing.
1: Would he have recognised him? Because he he lost him. Would he have known who he was?
2: Seeing as, as everybody's in the, kind of their original form on their statue, mm-hmm. surely Dominus' hologram would be Wolfie Dominus.
1: Would it? Or would it be his... Oh, which, which would be the preferred form?
2: Well, I, I assume that he's got the, the original uh, Grand Cybertronian taxonomy as reference for his hologram but
1: if you couldn't read his spark to know that that was dominus mm. how did he know because he would have met him before because they went to the necrobots planet so you would have seen him as agent 113
2: but i guess that's when his cover got blown
1: do you think because he sent that message after they'd left the planet mm. he did say he thought he'd been compromised didn't he
2: oh, well at the time so we have got his bullet that's when that happened right
1: yes the last message yeah
0: and then we get to pay payoff with Nautica's uh friendship. She is honestly friends with everybody. No, not quite everyone. It's interesting. I wonder what her decision to which about the people she's left out says. <laughs> Only some of the people I'm going to die with I like <laughs> to be friends with.
1: Well, who else was she close with? Riptide. Oh uh, and maybe Trail Cutter. So these are the people she has left.
2: I suppose ten is a bit better, actually. Everybody seems to like him. I guess it maybe still feeling poorly by that point. Aww. And uh, I suppose uh,
0: on top of this, the most significant thing, sort um, sort of a sort of throwaway detail. Is how down and out Skid seems compared to how he was last session.
2: But with uh swerve, kind of having a bit of a moment uh I, maybe he's just uh feeding up of that or maybe it's something to do with nautica
1: i'll admit the first time i read it i just thought the stress is getting to him so he's just a bit distracted and why that's why he doesn't you know respond to rung and and so on but then hearing other people's interpretations and the fact that um Nautica asks, rewinding the last issue, you know, what does that, what does American Jura mean to you on Cybertron? And he says, well, it's something you do if conscience doesn't work out. It's sort of a bittersweet ceremony and so on. So I'm wondering if there's been a rejection uh, in between one and the other that's led to this decision.
2: Yeah, we thought that she was going to get bounced. Yeah. She'll certainly get bounced with a DKD game there. Yes.
1: I have to say though, um I'm not a huge fan of this scene. This whole issue is a bit too huggy for me.
2: I mean they do literally hold hands and glow blue. It's like something out the headmasters cartoon. Oh my god, they're all gonna become toy Masters.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, I'm not sure about this.
0: We've seen the new issue of our idea, the toys don't actually have to match up to the actual toys anymore. <laughs> Here's Headmaster Nautica, but I'm going to call myself Weirdwolf from now on.
2: Well, I guess Domino's Ambus would be
0: Weirdwolf. Oh, God, that's what they're going to do. Beautiful, though. We're very to the, the real chunk of the issue, which uh, I'm sure to into it tonight, has very little hoodiness in it. No, there's a hug. There's a hug at the end. There's an embrace. So we get two parallel sequences, one of... Rodimus really pushing Chromedome into using his needles on the, the spark heater, in inverted
2: commas.
1: Well, he's not really pushing him, is he? You
2: know, Chrome Dome isn't doing it out of a sense of real obligation or a sense of duress. He's like, yeah, all right then.
1: He's not pushing. I think the word that Rewind uses is what exactly spot on what Rodimus does, which is enabling.
2: And, uh, yeah, Rodimus is just uh, making sure he doesn't lose his nerve, really.
1: Mm. Well, he, he volunteered. He's the one who suggests it in the first place. Mm. Every other time that Rodimus has asked Chromdom to do this, Chromdom has been resistant in some way or other. And he has turned around and told Rodimus, at times, you do realise this can kill me, yeah? Uh, but he doesn't raise any such concerns this time. I think he's pretty much intending to die.
2: Oh, Chrome Dome's intending to die. Yes. Jeez. I mean, is it? Yeah. I I guess that comes up pretty violently very soon. But I mean, you know, this is they—they they have only twenty minutes, don't they? So.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And he has had Dominus
0: Ambus rammed quite hard down his throat in the last few issues as well, as we discussed before in a slightly. Uh, Rewind.
1: this is uh, right after they leave the messages and right after you know chromdom says I'm I'm finally going to die with my love for the first time please bury us together and so on and rewind says yeah but about Dominus <laughs> so yeah chromdom feeling suicidal at this point is uh, not a stretch
0: uh, the uh, the other Plot thread with the power to that is Rewind. Who, uh, perhaps, because of the way those messages went down, is keeping his distance from home at the moment. Looking at the Necrobox journal, which we don't get a chance to see inside our this issue, but I suspect we're coming to play later on and maybe answer some of the questions we have. And talking with uh, Minimus and Brent about uh, his low-bearing body and reveal that maybe he never did Robinus Ambus that well
2: after all, well, how well can you really know Dominus Ambus, you know?
1: Or anyone for that matter.
2: Mm. Yeah, so uh, but when it cut from
0: uh, Rewind going, you know, he wore armour to that shot chrono over Spark Eater, so that was when I read, okay, that's Dominus Ambus then. Uh, did you do twig it at that point as well? No.
2: No, I was strung along beautifully. I let out a great big yell when I, when I figured out what was going on.
1: And we find out the pet's been domesticated,
2: which is another callback
0: to the scavenger machines, which are sort of really feeling like they're they're very keen to what's going on here, even more than before.
1: So this is opening all kinds of questions, but Ratchet knows what that means. So it isn't this obscure thing that's happening somewhere in you know in the universe that nobody knows about. It's something he's heard of.
2: Yeah, it's a known torture. And he, uh, he
0: also knows that the Spark Eater isn't really a Spark Eater, and he says that like that's so a no
2: Well, they've all met a Spark Eater. And even back then, he was like, this isn't a Spark Eater. Like, he just, whenever he sees a Spark Eater, he's like, nope. Um, we find out that
0: uh, the Neckabot has a functionalist database in his archive, which
2: is suggestive as well.
1: The Great Cybertronian Taxonomy version the first.
2: If we give an acrobat the benefit of the doubt, since he seems like a nice chap, mm-hmm. then you know, just because he's old, that would be the database that the functionists are using. However, other bits of evidence may shed a different light on this
0: database. Admit, that's the point where we get to reveal that, uh, yes, Dominus Ambus is the sparking term. How? Uh, obviously... That's what he really looked like. Uh, Minimus knows what Dominus really looked like. He was a high ranking police officer at one point. Dallas, do you think it is he never once saw a photograph of a DJD with a spark eater in their lineup?
2: Well, they haven't had him for that long. They've only had him for as long as more than meets the eye, and they had other stuff going on, you know, the, the war ended and such.
1: Yeah, the footage from the trial is all from when he was still Voss. There's no reason why Magnus would have seen the picture of the pet, and even if he had, there's no reason he would have recognised him as Dominus. He's just like any other Turbo Fox.
0: Yeah, I suppose that just sort of worked. Perhaps if Dominus had been a bit more up-to-date, or not be measured by Brainstorm, by checking on their prisoner, all of this tragedy could have been averted.
2: You'd think that once the war was over, Dominus might have uh, broken cover and gone home.
1: Would he? Would you have known? <coughs> the teacher didn't know about Megatron um, defecting till very recently.
2: I didn't. No, I guess Brainstorm didn't tell him either. <laughs> Plus, he'd uh, been
0: investigated either as the war was ending or just sometime before that, because never uh, last anybody those movies before chaos so it could have really been before the end of chaos and the end of the war that they uh, rumbled him especially if it happened after after they left an necrobot planet
1: well swerve had his patch at the end of chaos so that incident happened at some point during chaos or shortly before chaos or somewhere around there Mm. so depending when you consider the war to have ended and i think officially now we're saying that it was at the end of chaos Mm. then the war hadn't ended, and then there's the question of, you know, even if he did find out, uh, what how easily could he actually get away? What if he was waiting for orders? What if, you know, he's undercover, he wouldn't just up and leave?
0: Yeah. Of course, there's also the possibility that he might have gone too deep undercover as well, which was a theory but was uh, that one three that he uh, turned.
1: Well, he's, uh, you know, he's carrying on sending messages all the way till the end, so... Unless he was a double double agent.
2: He was an overachiever, was Dominus.
0: So what do we think, maybe besides become a deep cover agents?
2: There's definitely a story to be told there. I think even though Dominus is ostensibly killed here, I guess he's got a lot more to say.
1: Mm. And I bet Prowl's got a lot to answer for as well.
2: Oh boy, that Prowl. Um, for the record, I don't think I don't think Dominus is dead. Uh, I think there's uh, there's a Spark brain, get out here!
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I think uh, Chromdo might have been way, way too keen to die or to be killed. You know, I, th- I think I think he might have been embroidering the truth a little bit or making the truth a little bit more dramatic.
1: Do you think? I I thought he was sincere in that scene.
2: Um, yeah, I don't know. He's just he's he's just not the most reliable. He's the only source of the information about Dominus' health and status, and he is not in a good way.
0: Oh, that's dark, Tom.
2: <laughs> no, really, I'm trying to save him. Oh,
0: no, it didn't work.
2: <laughs> it may be the way it's presented, but there's there's definitely wriggle room there for um, for a turnaround.
1: So, about uh, Dominus and his true form and such, um, I guess that sheds a bit more light on uh, his... Uh him devising the ambush test but I have to say I'm at a bit of a loss at what that means for if he is a forged bot that looks like a turbo fox what what does that mean about turbo foxes I'm a bit lost as to how to interpret this
2: we don't know I don't think anybody in in the story knows why transformers are born with two modes the most sense anyone's been able to make of it is the grand Cybertronian taxonomy which is just that everything is the way it is for some kind of divine reason and we shouldn't mess with it so uh yeah I don't know I mean, that actually kind of makes more sense mm. than them being in cars with little steering wheels inside
1: I, I, I guess okay yeah that's a that's a good point they turn into non-sentient things so why not turbo foxes right
2: yeah, if turbo fox is just another kind of equipment as far as Cybertron is concerned. Cybertron just seems to generate turbo foxes. It's like a very medieval idea of, of how life comes about. Uh, it just seems they crawl out of the earth somewhere. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I, it seems pretty neat. I'd like to see more. You know, I, I like the wildlife. I'd like to see more Cybertronian wildlife and uh, more people who turn into it.
1: Hmm.
2: I guess um, Ravage and Laserbeak and stuff are just kind of extinct life forms. Of some sort?
1: The well, Ravage is constructed cold.
2: So he is. So he is. I suppose the constructed cold people their bodies are picked for them, aren't they?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's how I imagine it anyway.
2: Okay. Hmm.
1: Which which begs the question, you know, why do you need a sentient electric chair? Why do you need a sentient wildcat, you know? All these things.
2: KL may have picked his own mode at that point. He uh, was just a
1: chair
0: before. He thought he needed to jazz up a bit. I tried, people just sitting me.
1: <laughs> Speaking of Keon and his connection to the pet, how how do we feel about that? He he knew who he was. He knew what he was.
2: I think a little rival, a little rival, rival for rewindy, windy.
1: Oh, do you think?
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, if, if we're going for sort of. Traditional spy
0: fiction tropes. And, uh, yeah, When you infiltrate your way to an evil organisation or a good organisation for your ability, you get yourself uh, a partner in there, someone who will be loyal to you. That's sort of a tradition. Uh, I mean, it happened in like every other episode of 24, for example. And that was a lot in real life as well. <laughs> horrific consequences when uh, police officers marry. Greek peace protesters—they're investigating just to find out what naughty things Greek peace are up to. Uh, so I can see that sort of thing happening with the DJD. Uh, I suppose Dominus kept his big secret from Rewinds. Who knows how he really felt about the relationship? Maybe uh, Rewind yeah. protected a lot.
2: Dominus really—he spent a very long time not talking to
0: Rewind. <laughs> <laughs> Do we think Dominus actually really left to go look for? Uh, Luna 1, wasn't it? Uh,
1: oh, but no, they they went together with Rewind. Then they, they came back to Cybertron together and the war had started and they both became Autobots right away.
2: His brain feels like it's been kicked to Luna 1 and back. I, I do think with the on thing, very
0: links, we know from previous issues that the DJD do have a pretty strong sort of loyalty to one another. So, maybe the others were happy with what Todd did to Dominus, even if he had turned out to be a traitor?
1: I don't know about that. I, think, I don't think they would be forgiving. I mean, it's one thing to be um, feeling collegiate towards your teammates when they are your teammates, but when they're not and you find out that they're traitors, I don't see any of the DJD being, you know, taking that kindly to that.
2: And what does, what does Tan say when he rips Kayon's head off? He says, like, I didn't realise he had those kinds of feelings for that creature. I don't think he means creature in terms of Turbo Fox. I think he means creature in terms of Autobot.
1: But I, ha- I have to say, as far as um, extreme punishments go, I and mean, in the, uh, the very BDSM nature of the DJD, what they've done to Dominus is quite, quite delicious.
2: Ah uh, yeah. Uh, and a weird little inversion of his name. Uh, do you think Demas was involved with this? Whoa. Or? Yeah, mate, it's possible. I saw sort of, somebody suggest Spinister might have had a
0: hand in it, as he seems to be quite an expert on reversing it.
2: That's possible too.
0: It would, would be a geek with flywheels working at a concentration camp. That's all. <laughs> i But the scavengers aren't all nice people at the top.
1: <laughs> they, they've had access to domestication somehow. Hmm. Yeah, the, you know, he does mention the list. And we were are not sure who he thought it was that was after him.
2: Would the DJD have worked with someone like Demas, who, you know, was kind of had kind of abandoned the Decepticon? I
0: suppose it would depend if he got independent by that point. Oh. Uh, maybe he was just a guy, maybe some tech guy in a science lab who perfected this technique. I mean, that would if they found out about Dominus when they were on the Necromot's planets, maybe from seeing his statue or something like that. Uh, if they had to take him to Demis, uh under false pretenses, maybe, that would have given him the opportunity to shoot uh, Swerve with that bullet at some point
2: as well. Uh, Gee, so Swerve's uh, witnessing of the DJD, which made him not speak for a while, that was actually fairly recently. It's quite a fresh wound. Well, uh, speaking of fresh
0: wounds, of course, Rewind has a fairly fresh wound from DJD, including C. Dominus rip apart loads of his mates and brutally kill them. He's discovered he's seen his... Uh, his beloved that he's been so long before, as I lied to him, very entire relationship about his nature, being brutally murdered, everybody he knew, knew and liked. Yeah. How much of him saving Progo here is him choosing Progo, but how much of it is he very suddenly hating Dominus quite a lot?
2: I think knowing rewinds the extent, the depth of his feelings for Dominus, I think it's the latter.
1: I I don't know if you would have had time to process. In, in what scenario would you have let Chromedome kill himself in that situation? Mm. You wouldn't do it, would you? No. I think
0: Rewind we, well, might have found it a much harder Sophie's choice if they found out Dominus was he it. If it would been like, thank God, to that planet from Scoundry Two and found out one of those lovable unicorn robots was Dominus. Had this same situation was happening, I think Rewind would have had it all the struggle to choose a freedom.
1: Sorry, I think Rewind would forgive a lot, honestly.
0: But do, do we think Dominus, perhaps as a residual trace of his old personality, is the reason that Rewind survived Soul's house, but they didn't uh, bind him?
1: That's a good one. And there's different theories around how they, that may have uh, played a part. I guess the pet could have been conscious on, on some level and assisted on some level or maybe was um as i think you've um, you've said sure uh, sort of a residual memory of what rewind was
2: if he's anything like a dog uh, a dog with find a recognizable scent and just go straight towards it and go hey, hey hey here's a friend He's he's not a dog though,
0: Tom He's a turbo fox He has a space sense of smell
1: But Rewind was hiding in the Magnus armour And Ravage missed him So there's no reason why Dominus would have found him Um, As an aside Drift's reaction in this scene Versus the whole Overlord story Where he's basically just doing everything he's sold And You know, he wouldn't dare question Rodimus under any circumstances. And he's actually actively saying, I think we should stop what we're doing now. I don't think this is going to end very well. It just feels like a development for for the character here.
2: He's got an emotional attachment to Rodimus, but he's also, like, whether he's it's genuine or not, he's got this kind of religious attachment to Rodimus as well. Mm. well he, he thinks he can read people's auras as
0: well, and he totally fails spot rewind. It would be sort of be eyes.
2: Yeah, he's, he's a very bad ninja in this
0: scene. But, oh, I we should also mention the fact that Rewind floors Rodimus with one punch as well, like he's some sort of a prowl.
1: I love him to bits, but he needs a good punch in the face now. <laughs>
2: I thought it was a bit too satisfying <laughs>
1: <laughs> in that way
2: like yeah well this is what we want and and we just gay and just even the fact that he calls him an enabler like I think that works narratively better when when characters aren't openly talking about it and maybe it's sort of had its run and then and going to develop it from it but I was a bit like yeah you know tell us something we don't know well we discover that Rewind's breasts
0: glow more when he's really
2: angry well I don't mind do
1: I, I like rewind, you know, you know he makes snap decisions in tough situations.
2: Yeah, shoots Megatron, hits Rodimus. The original rewind and Overlord, he made the choice uh, there as well.
1: Yeah, he's he's good at this. It's uh, it's
2: kind of the opposite of what you'd expect with someone whose hard drive space is all maxed out.
1: You'd expect a bit more of a weighing up of the uh, situation. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe he he does he just does it so quickly that. It appears as if, you know, he's just done it on the spot. (laughs) So I think in this that Chromedome looks, to me, he looks genuine. I, I don't think he knew anything more about Dominus. I think, yes, sure, he's not thinking straight, but I think he genuinely just wants to give Rewind what he thinks Rewind wants. And we suspected for a long time that maybe Dome knew more than he was letting on. Um, you know, there were all kinds of theories about maybe he'd already wiped Rewind's memory about Dominus and things like that. You know, as it turns out, no, doesn't appear to be the case at all. He's been a lot more sincere, bless him, than we've given him credit for, and a lot less manipulative.
2: It does make me wonder, though, what does Prowl have on Chromedome that he threatened him with in the first issue? Uh, if it's not anything related to Dominus.
1: Indeed. And it's something that's so, so horrible that he doesn't think uh, Rewind is going to know about it.
0: Prowl would have known all along where Dominus Albus was.
1: He's clearly blackmailing Chromedome with something that he knows that he's threatening to tell Rewind about.
2: I wonder if at this point Roberts knows what that is.
1: But to the point that Chromedom had to mind-wipe Prowl, to keep him from from doing that yeah
2: yeah i forgot about the mind wipe Mm.
1: but another thing to point out um as an aside that you know the um, the memorial to the disappeared we speculated last time that either either the top or the bottom was the most recently disappeared so now we know for a fact that dominus's name was at the very bottom because he disappeared very recently in the, cro- the Necrobot's eyes, he disappeared recently, which was probably when the domestication took place. And then we know for a fact then that Roller at the very top disappeared millions of years ago.
2: And I, I guess by implication, not that many Transformers have disappeared?
1: N- nobody before. <laughs> before the war, definitely. <laughs> they knew where everyone was then. It's like after the war, they just lost track.
2: Well, that's when they had Radar's fingers still attacked.
1: Yeah. And we've got the, uh, the Siege is uh, continuing. Everybody's gathered. The light's fading.
0: And yeah. look how happy everyone except Desiris and Nicol in that page at the top. He looks quite sombre, that's all it and Nicol looks really worried. I think she's having chaos death related issues.
1: She's just stern. Uh, I don't think she, uh, she ever looks particularly happy, does she?
2: I'm a little underwhelmed by the Sakamoto pages. Um, I, I think... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's just like Milne's on a particularly steep high at the moment, and these look a bit rushed. I mean, they're serviceable, and they work, and, and I'm not confused. But um, yeah, I would, have, I would have preferred Milne uh, to have been able to have drawn them. I'm sure he would if he could.
0: Yeah, I do maybe this was a last-minute thing to help Milne out, rather than perhaps something that was planned in advance. Uh, then we go into sort of the, the second big Syconis World scene of recent times, do we think this one worked as well as the one in issue
1: forty-six did? I, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really pleased we got this in because it was bothering me. We hadn't had the follow-up and it was really annoying. And as it turns out, we haven't had the follow-up because there's been no follow-up. They, ha- they haven't spoken to each other because of course they wouldn't uh, okay Cyclonus wouldn't what what is tell you doing all this time i mean okay you know for like five years now he's been waiting for cyclonus to make a move come on tailgate <laughs> <laughs> to
2: be fair tailgate doesn't know any better Cyclonus, i guess also doesn't know any better i mean they, they it's it, the emphasis is that Cyclonus is the old guy and that Cyclone, uh, tailgate's the young guy but in terms of relationships they seem to be both as immature as each other <laughs>
1: Yeah. I, <laughs> oh, I love worlds line here. Well, it's my spirit animal in this issue. I, I don't do relationships. My world begins and ends with me.
0: And I, I've got a lot of empathy for psychosis here, actually. I quite like that in all my attempted relationships. I'd rather for the other person say something first. And it goes for that as well for me as it does for psychosis. Oh uh, yeah, so not even, I don't end up having to stab mega maniacs in the chest to save the other person at any point. Doesn't quite go like that for me. And I would say to him, yes, just telltale, tell, you fool, um, before they unexpectedly move to London without telling you.
1: But But the thing with Cyclonus here is that he's already made the decision that this isn't that he's avoiding talking to Telgate because he doesn't know how to approach him or doesn't know how to speak to him, but he's made the decision that this is not going to work between them because Telgate is too good for him. But he's never actually let Telgate have a say in this. He just decided.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, well, what does Telgate know?
1: And don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I, I think personally i've always defended cyclonus in this relationship because i've always felt that cyclonus has gone the extra mile to meet telgate halfway and i haven't felt that telgate has done the same but um after this this particular conversation here i'm starting to get a little bit annoyed with cyclonus as well i have to say
2: and it's not only are we talking, learning a lot about psych, uh, Cyclonus and Tailgate's relationship here, but it's quite a big step in Cyclonus and Worlds' relationship, which is something which has been going on since issue one. They're now no longer at the point where they're just not going to kill each other. They're they're becoming friends.
1: Yeah.
0: I yeah. I I think they make a better couple than Cyclonus and Tailgate do. They can then, at least talk to each other. <laughs> <laughs> <As you laughs> right, that panel, where have got my heads pressed against each other, that doesn't want to know about
2: Kate and second there as well. I think that's just a Sakamoto thing.
1: Yeah, God. Oh, We're always doing all kinds of wrong things in this. Like, there's all legs in the air and all kinds of things going on. And then. You kind of, like, move on to the next page, and that top panel, which is of everybody panicking because they can't shoot out of the force field, and it's, like, it was, it's like you've gone back to Sakamoto issue one, basically.
2: Wow, yeah. Okay, so Ten presents Megatron with his new fusion cannon. I think it's a magic quantum fusion cannon.
1: <laughs> because it's made out of the teleport chamber.
2: But if, if it's just going to teleport
0: things about, we could have mentioned that to so Megatron. He might have been a bit more of that.
1: It's a, it's a nice
0: gun. In fact, if uh, could have played someone sort of made him uh, like an armwee
2: gun, <laughs> he could have made him a non-lethal
0: weapon. It would have just made all the very
2: depressed. An armwee gun would probably take them over the edge. Actually, they're, they're psychologically very fragile people.
1: Uh. I, I don't know what Rodimus was thinking with the fusion cannon. I don't know what any of them were thinking. Like, has he been paying any attention the past year or however long it's been? It's like, if you're going to give him something, this is what you're going to give him. Like.
0: I <sighs> have a, a bit where Megacom goes, you were always a better captain. That just means that he's taking a piss. Uh, admit, oh, yeah, you were you were great. You
1: were a sexy He's basically saying, I you know I I can't be ass with you anymore. Fine, you're the better captain, but you know Rodimus has been more effective in many ways. I, I guess they both have because Megatron is the one who makes the big speech and convinces everyone to stay. So they've both exhibited, you know, sort of different leadership qualities that have taken them where they are. Um, but Rodimus, when it comes down to it, when it comes to the crunch, he is good in a crisis. And he, he's good at motivating people. He makes tough decision, decisions. You know, he, need, he needs to sacrifice Chromedome to get the information out of the pet. He'll sacrifice Chromedome. That's what he'll do. Um, what, what do we think Megatron's afraid of here?
2: I think he's afraid of uh, take, putting on that fusion cannon and um, mm. solving everything the way he used to solve things.
0: I would also say maybe he has a slightly selfish motivation. He's the only one who actually has the best interests and in organics and heart here, which would be to keep that force field on as long as possible to stop the J.D. getting in, rather than turn it off to go and fight them. I mean, they're, they're focusing entirely on what they want, which is uh, maybe I'll have a quick death for the drawn-out long one, Mm. If that's going to happen but they're not even with, they to be thinking about their, the charges they took on but the only reason they've stayed behind there
2: i mean every uh, whole of more than meets the eye season two has basically been megatron's drawn out death from his perspective if he's been on borrowed time all the whole you know since his trial like why not a bit more borrowed time
1: do we think megatron is actually going to be effective in whatever it is that he's planning to do here do we think that he does have a plan that doesn't involve violence, or do we think that he's just losing it at this point?
0: Is he? Because we know he doesn't like organics, generally. Is his uh, impressive protective rubber front when he's putting on, and how he's going you know, to destroy the DJD will somehow involve using those organics, and he will sacrifice all of them to take out the DJD, and that's what turns everyone against him in the final.
2: Well, yeah, I guess if he was being truly noble... I mean, it's it's a moot point now that they've gotten rid of their teleporter, but rather than give his big speech motivating everyone, I think it would have been far more noble of him due to have killed all the
1: organics. As in to spare them?
2: Yeah, just like BAM! Okay, now you have no reason to stay. If he was truly noble and self-sacrificing, that's what he would have done. It seems, yeah, he is hiding behind these guys.
1: Yeah, but the, Yeah, exactly, but that's not what he is when you declare yourself a pacifist in the middle of a war. Mm. You're basically doing exactly the opposite of being self-sacrificing.
2: <laughs> Very well put. Oh,
0: speaking of, uh, sort of Megaton generally, uh, there's a Rodimus asking about full Xenogon at one point. Uh, do we think he's still on full Xenogon now, or have they put him up
1: properly?
2: Well, it seems like there's something that doesn't get said then. If this is about the full Xenogon, ah, oh, don't worry, because you're not on that anymore. I'm Rodimus. This is a great idea.
1: I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe at the crucial moment, it's gonna come down to him exercising his right to violence or not, and he'll discover that suddenly all his strength is back.
2: I guess if this if this season's been all about Megatron and his choices, that's what's gonna have to happen, have to happen in the finale.
1: R- Ravages is really disappointed in Megatron, isn't he? Ray right, yeah. I like uh, Swerve's line here, but um, the most uh, fierce warrior on the planet is going to hide under a table. Bring, bringing us full circle with elegant chaos. <laughs> I bet Rodimus told that story fifty times when he go back. <laughs> you should have seen him hiding <laughs> under a table. Wouldn't believe it.
2: <laughs> so we've got the reveal of Maximus Ambus.
1: Huge Magnus.
2: Yes, I originally thought this was like a more faithful version of a Combiner
0: Wars toy. Like, I don't know about Toy; I've not looked too closely at it. But uh, I thought that was maybe why they got the change, but it's not. No, uh, I think what's really is he's got Power master Supply shoulder guns.
2: Um, yeah, I mean this is the most transformery plan, um, but it's the worst plan.
1: <laughs> how, how so? <laughs>
2: Kind of if you could just fix Magnus's arm he's pretty handy in a fight, and then um
1: yeah
2: on gun uh black hole div- i don't know anything else which brainstorm could do, but i guess um I guess the resource is Ambus himself they're just kind of feeding off his spark energy or whatever
1: mm. big you know big guy in a battlefield with lots of small enemies works. Ugh.
2: I guess he, I guess he's there to absorb Overlord.
1: That's a, yeah, that's the rematch. That that could be interesting. I
0: suppose we're lucky he didn't just build the body but look like a giant scepter.
1: <sighs> uh,
2: okay, so now we go over the top and I think the real payoff to the Maximus armour is that he's able to embrace everybody all at once. In a very
0: primal prime for Beast War sort of way, that's how he uses big hands a few times in the show to embrace his... So, so much smaller than him
1: Oh uh, yeah
2: Aww. I have
1: to say I said I, I wasn't a big fan Of the uh, of the hugging But um, I I do really Appreciate um, James Roberts' voice through Rodimus There in the, uh, thanks for travelling With me
0: And of course one of the things a uh, few people have pointed out To which uh, I saw James Roberts like As well on Twitter said this to him is It's quite like the end of uh, Blackadder Goes Forth which puts that poetry in a different light as well. I would love it if Ultraman Dis was going to do some of Baldi's poetry.
2: War's a terrible thing! <laughs>
0: tiggler, tiggler, tiggler.
2: Yeah, I appreciate the illusion. And of course, I like Blackadder Goes Forth, but none of this is like World War I. I. think that I think the thing which makes it a bit clunky is that they did have an escape route and that they do, they chose not to take it. And you know, there's, there's good heroism and good characterization, but you can't, then, you can't do that and also do World War One, where where the people had no escape.
1: Especially as you staying behind isn't saving anybody.
2: It, it, it's, a, it's a false equivalence, and I, I I understand it is just an illusion, but um, it does get one thinking.
0: But uh, the, the difference here is at the end of that is an ends. They all go on top and they die. That's unambiguous. Uh, this is more of a sort of traditional cliffhangering. Sort of a uh, thing with that.
1: So at the, at, the, at that point, Nightbeat and Rung are still not back. They were meant to be back.
2: Oh well, we'll never hear about them again.
1: There's a good chance that they found something if they haven't gotten back yet.
2: Yeah, something that Run ca- Run can be a part of.
1: Mm. Maybe this is maybe this is where Megatron comes in handy since he's the one who stayed behind.
2: And it's got that crazy body going on. It's got the wormholes in his body.
1: And um, um, possibly even one of Brainstorm's
2: suitcases. Ah, yeah, I guess that's where he would keep suitcase briefcase, right? I, I think
0: Ratchet would have spotted that when he was patching him up, right, if it was still in there and intact.
2: Oh, no, but you know, it's a wormhole. It's a crazy wormhole. Unless he was
0: too busy bitching about Velocity whilst he was doing it.
2: I mean, what does, what does Megatron say? I'm not going out there. But he doesn't say, I'm not going in there. He's a bit like uh, William Shatner
0: at the end of Star Trek 5, where he's going,
2: Baby God isn't out there. Baby God is in
0: here. And he's just haunted to himself.
2: Okay, God right here in my pocket.
1: <laughs> I was uh, relatively underwhelmed on first read with this issue. I think there's... Um, even the Dominus reveal left me a bit underwhelmed. But I have to say, I the more I've thought about it, the more impressed with it I've been. And uh, the just the, the sheer sadism... of uh, of the situation and the pet and so on um, has has left more of an impact maybe than I thought it would have when I first read it. Uh, So yeah, I can appreciate bits of this issue. I think the the sort of um, the slowing down of pace maybe doesn't work that well. I think I would have liked a little bit more of some kind of going forward, maybe a bit of Glance into the other side, like what's going on with the DGT and so on at the moment, or the sources camp and so on, something like that. It just felt a little bit like we kind of slowed down, but we hadn't really finished building up. If you see what I mean, it's not a bad issue by any means. Um, I just think uh, it's just not one of my favorites, but I am really looking forward to the next one.
0: Uh, I think that obviously, set to be supposed to dominate stuff. I think that absolutely worked. I thought it was very clever. Uh, moving, I thought it uh, answered a lot of questions and raised a lot of questions as well. Many, of, I don't think many of them will be absolutely best to issue either. I think uh, the truth about Dominus will perhaps be a thread because it's in Season 3. rest of it I mostly like. Maybe not as strong as the previous couple of issues because it's really just about stalling around Dominus reveal. So Like an issue of ultramagnets standing on a box being measured, which is sort of really a time making thing, really, to get to a final one. Uh,
2: but overall, yes, I thought a pretty, uh, pretty good issue. Um, I, I was much more impressed with this issue, I think, than Stuart was. I think the mechanics of it were pretty flawless. The only uh, nitpick I've got is just don't really think much of the Maximus Ambus thing. I think that's a very regressive sort of story mechanic, but it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Lots of praise for the Dominus thing. I really wasn't expecting that when it came to be so deft, and just the right mix of clues versus, you know, insinuation versus actual uh, unrevealed uh, information. I, 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 really, really good mechanics. Uh, shame that that Milner was, uh, was uh, a bit rushed. I mean, his pages don't suffer, but uh, Sakamoto's, I think, were clearly done in a hurry and he wasn't at his best. But small, small potatoes. Great issue.
0: Probably, I think, Dominus' atmosphere will be the big thing people take away from the storyline of Uh Because you've invested in, rewind and quote, no, I think that's going to be a big the big thing for people when we look back on this uh, do, do, do
2: you think we'll, they'll break up
0: what Dominus and Rewind I think that people I think <laughs> <we'll have. laughs> oh, even man, it's not for a yeah. top it's not romantic
1: <laughs> Rewind's obsession seems to focus around him not knowing now he knows
0: hmm they're not knowing what, what will I know when Rewind talk about that <laughs> see fancy cup of tea Rewind oh where's Dominus where
2: is he oh, I'm really missing him <laughs> I think a lot of couples get into sports at this sort of point in the relationship. I don't think
0: Robert would go down the spit of with upgrade again, because he did that a bit earlier in season two when we well, came back and that struggle through their relationship. So I think it might be a bit reductive to go down that road again. Hmm. That's if any of them survive, of course.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a risk of everybody surviving. <laughs> <laughs> Just like in World War I. Well, they'll all die in season three with the adventures of Captain Getaway. No. <laughs> no. I think that would be a sure way to kill the book as well as all the characters, but uh, <laughs> I'd admire the gutsiness of a move like that. He'll uh, kill him in a way but will make you go, ah, get away was hot. Get away was right.
1: I'm, I'm curious. I am dead curious to see how this ends.
0: So, to uh, wrap up, uh, one thing we now have at Podcast Maximus uh, is our very own uh, Twitter account at Podcast Maximus, amazingly enough, when you get all the. Podcast Maximus Related Goodness Fair. We also have a Facebook page, Podcast Maximus. We put a lot of effort into uh, focus groups for these names. And uh, through those, we also currently need a uh, chance for our listeners to join in on the podcast, uh, for which there is a YouTube video that uh, will be linked to in the notes explaining all that. It's celebrating 20 years of uh, websites we're attached to, so it should be a bit of fun. Uh, we're not sure what all of the episodes we recorded at the moment are going out in, so you may have already heard me say this once already in exactly the same way, but yeah, we're covering all bases. As well as all that, we also have our own individual Twitter accounts, which are, Marion?
1: and am uh, on Twitter.
0: And anything you'd like to promote at the uh,
1: I don't have anything to promote at the moment, but I do want to draw people's attention to something really exciting that's happening. And that is, we know that the new Transformers Ongoing is uh, starting in June. uh, Tilola 1, written by Margaret Scott and drawn by Sarah Peter Duroche with Priscilla Tramontano and Colors. Which is very exciting in itself. But our friends over on the Transmissions podcast have gone and commissioned themselves a cover. So there is an exclusive cover uh, that is going to be available at TFCon Toronto and then TFCon Chicago. And you can learn a lot more about that if you go on to the transmissions website. The cover is drawn by Alex Milne, colours by Josh Perez, and is an homage to issue 18 of the original Marvel comic featuring Starscream and Windblade. Uh, so please go check that out. And the reason why I mention it here is because for those of you attending TF Nation, um, the comic uh, can be purchased online through Prime Toys, who are uh, a US-based company, I believe. But uh, if you want to save some money on postage, uh, go on their website, order that, and say that you'd like to collect it at TF Nation. If there are enough people um, choosing that option, Transmissions will send um, a good chunk of comics to TF Nation, so that will save you uh, on postage. If you're interested, if you're interested in that. Um, so, yeah, go check
2: it out. Uh, Tom, your Twitter, what about anything you're doing at the moment? Uh, I am Jerome McNally on Twitter and I've released a first chapter of the new book of Saga of the European King and there'll be another one out by the 17th. There's a new chapter coming out every month. It's a comedy fiction podcast with a full cast uh, about a king of medieval Europe who sets out to murder Winter and it's a love letter to franchise fiction, the kind of which we have just... Commenced discussing.
0: And uh, as listeners may have heard you already say, but just in case you go that in the other order, I've heard the first part and it's the uh, um, second series and it's very good. Oh, thank you very much. Just some uh, silence there. <laughs> 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 and I am, of course, as Inflatable Garlic. Uh, and as well as this podcast thing we are doing involving uh, well, you, which I've already mentioned, you can buy my book from Amazon. Uh, mine is for Stuart Webb, who wrote a book about Transformers, not about Bigfoot. Uh, if you visit my website, Solar Pool uh, Transformation, with its weekly look at the comic, why not go weekly on issue 66? Just recently, I have successfully managed to see every James Bond film at the cinema. Nobody's impressed by this. So I'd just like just one person to tweet me and say, I am impressed by the fact you have seen every James Bond film, except never say never again, annoyingly. It doesn't count anyway. At the cinema, just reassure me that my life has some meaning and worth to it.
1: Right, so see you guys next time. Farewell. Bye.